Hello everybody and welcome to Brumvagoon, you will not get there on a road bike. Today I want to talk with you. Yes, I want to talk exactly with you. Stuck in your mind or in your car, you cannot rewind, you're gone too far. Please take a deep breath, get your rig and go out in your backyard. A nice spin will help you with everything, otherwise you can blame the VCR. If you want to get out with a new adventure, remember that you can get a free extra region from Komoot just because you're following the broom wagon. Go on komoot.com g and then write the code broom. Then the extra region is going to be there and you can have fun not only in your backyard, even if your backyard is enough. Thanks a lot for being here on the broom wagon one week again. Today we are going to talk with an amazing guest and it's gonna be a second timer and that's something that makes me feel pretty sparkling that's super nice but first let's say that you need to do two things maybe three the first thing just go wherever you are listening to this podcast and put a good rate also a bad rate a good comment also a bad comment but please do it this will help me supporting on going a bit up on the charts of the podcast bucket podcast bucket makes sense another thing that you can do go down in the description below hit the link on coffee and get me a coffee Federica did it last time it was a couple of days ago thanks Federica she's a great follower of this podcast and remember as well that down in the description below you will find the link to the charity by Kigi that I'm supporting this year with my COVID jar you can also drop a couple of coins. They're doing great things. They're based in Berlin and they teach women refugees how to ride the bike. That's super powerful. You need to follow them. And if you have a couple of spare coins, get the change into my COVID jar. Actually, our common COVID jar. Talking about the episode of today, I talked again with Ariane Luti. She is a great legend of cross-country mountain bike and this year she decided to do something even greater than her career and her talent. She put together a team, a team of cross-country mountain bike that will travel the world in the World Cup. It's called Pump for Peace. And together with her, there's going to be racing Faranak and Tumelo with Claudio Caluori great legend of the downhill mountain bike as let's say the collector of all this great talent together as well with this velo solution pump track i will stop here with the description ariane will be better in just a couple of seconds i will talk to you later so yeah people i'm pretty 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 happy chilled and honored on having again somebody on this podcast that I had in the, my first days when I was living here in Switzerland. And, Ariane, no worries, because I'm going to, like last time, misspell completely your, actually, mispronounce completely your name and surname. So I'm here today talking with Ariane Luthi. <laughs> Luthi. <Almost>. Luthi. <laughs> I always make this mistake. I know it. Are you doing? Yeah. Hello, Ariane Lutti here. Ariane Lutti, you see? <laughs> How are you doing? Thanks so, for me. last time that we talked, I think you were in Belgium. This time you are in Spain. 
Yeah, that's correct. Yes. Quite a nice change of uh, weather, I would say. It is, for sure. Um, yeah, definitely an improvement to Belgium last time. Mm -hmm. uh, that's also why we fled the north to to get a bit more sun and dry roads uh, to train on for the big miles that I'm currently putting in. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you are basically at the, the most important building blocks before the, se uh, the, the season to start. Yes, season. Yeah, it's kind of when the volume needs to go in. Um, so January is mostly quite a important month. And yeah, in Switzerland or Belgium, it's basically the worst time to be outside. So I'm really happy to be in Spain. <laughs> yeah, and still, anyways, you are training basically, okay, apart from the gym, your bike is mainly for training still a mountain bike. Yes, I actually do spend really almost all the time on the mountain bike currently. Um, it's a bit of shame I have a really nice uh, Orbea road bike. Um, but I just love to combine a bit of trails now and then. And yeah, to just really, really get super comfortable on the mountain bike. And, and also always include a bit of trail riding, a bit of skills training into the training. Um, I'm mostly on the mountain bike. And I've got the chance to just choose whatever road. So... I'm not bound to the tar roads here and can really get out of traffic into the mountains. <laughs> no, that's great. And uh, I remember that last time that we talked, uh, I, it was probably the first time that I learned that usually training for mountain bikers is calculated in hours and not in kilometers. It's still like this, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. I mean, if you calculate in kilometers, it always um, looks a bit disappointing <laughs> because you, <laughs> okay. you're not as fast as on a road bike. And especially if you go into the mountains in Switzerland, um, you sometimes do like, I don't know, 16Ks an hour even. And <laughs> it's, it's a bit demotivating if one would uh, calculate with that. But The most important for my coach is anyway my TSS, uh, the training stress score with my power and, and the time that I spend with it. Yeah, that's, uh, that's super great. Probably maybe it can be beneficial giving a bit of an intro. I'm going to mess up one second, then you can complete the information that I'm messing around. So Ariane is basically a huge legend on the mon marathon mountain bike, <laughs> mountain bike marathon world, right? How many times did you win the Cape Epic? I think eight, seven, how many? Oh, not quite, not quite. Uh, I won it uh, three times in the women's category okay. and two times in the mixed, so... Still five. <laughs> <laughs> several times as well swiss champion of cross-country marathon and plus another thing that probably this evolved since last time that we talked and it's actually you, know, you are now also sitting in uh, in one chair on the cycling alliance right so the uh, association that is trying to push equity between or better pushing better situations for women in cycling right so yeah. kind of involved not only on the sports side but also in the organization and uh, inclusion and equity side yes correct yeah mm -hmm. yeah i've been with them i think for three years now and yeah it's been a very nice uh, process to to also think a little bit uh, more political about things um Well, I've been kind of political uh, in my sport already a bit, and it's great to have a bit of uh, support there in my quest to, to push for more equity and just improve the general situation for female cyclists, professional cyclists, 
uh, in our sport. Yeah, but how did you see that? So then we're going to go reading the core of our topic today that is going to be also kind of not only sportive, also sportive, because sports, we all know it, can be also political, but also a bit more in the inclusion side. But how yeah. did the situation actually now at the moment for the women's side of cycling evolve since then you are really uh, focusing a bit more into that or focusing your effort a bit more into that? Do you see some improvements? Well, just on the matter that I am specifically pushing for, um, I, I was basically um, trying to get a more equal um, racing situation for women in mm-hmm. mountain bike marathon racing. Um, I was always trying to get a separate start for us and uh, the non-drafting rule because um, up until a few years or still in many races now, uh, the, the men that race the amateur men or even the professional men sometimes mix with us in the race and influence the outcome of the, of the race. And I really feel that needs to be changed. Um, it's now not anymore. I mean, in the past, it was maybe the case that there was very big gaps between uh, the first women. There was not a lot of women racing and it has completely changed. Now, sometimes it's really about seconds. And if there's a man interfering by giving slipstream or by pushing someone or being in the way in the trail, it can really uh, make the difference between first, second or whatever uh, rank. Um, so the great improvement is now that it is an official UCI rule that we need to have a separate start. Mm. That has changed. Um, what hasn't changed yet, unfortunately, is that there's still drafting. It's not specifically uh, forbidden um, between men and women if they somehow meet in the race. Even if we have a separate start, if the amateur men catch us, um, there's no specific rule yet that we are not allowed to take their wheel. And that I would really like to see also in the rules. Um, And yeah, I'm currently still working on that part. Yeah. So basically, uh, some participants on uh, the yeah the cross country the mountain bike marathons they can find some domestic unexpected domestics on the exactly. fast tracks so i mean in the yes. fast segments okay yeah, yeah 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 and i mean the race is very tactical you know it's not a time trial um i mean even in the mountains of switzerland you know it always turns out to be in a way tactical and there's always places where drafting even if it's just a 5k flattish stretch or even just a, a four degree um tall climb you know and you can benefit from a slipstream day um so it really is important that we get a more fair fair racing condition and actually also already looking ahead i mean gravel racing becomes more and more popular it has now uh, also a uci racing series and will become or will receive a UCI World Championship. And as far as I know, there's also not much ruling in that regard. And there even more so, you know, the the drafting is such a big issue. Uh, if you mix men and women, it's just not a interesting race for the women. Absolutely. It's so weird when you say that, because I follow for sure, I follow the gravel scene, I follow the road scene and everything for sure. Road is completely different, playground. Uh and same thing actually with um, uh, Olympic cross country and everything like that. But it's so weird that still we kind of have these kind of issues 
for the gravel side and also for the cross-country marathon. Why, for example, the rule is super strict for ultra-endurance races. You know, all the races like uh, the transcontinental race, the Silk Road Monte race that I took part in the media. Just remember, I will never ride this kind of thing. It's not my playground. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, for example, yeah, Silk Road Monte race, Atlas Monte race, all these races, uh, the rule is there. It's super clear. You're not allowed, drafting is not allowed. And still, even if there you don't have camera you don't have so many people around you as tough just by putting the rule people are really being sure not to make this happen not to have drafting and stuff so the most important thing was making the rule there and people are following it yeah. having this in a UCI so having this problem in a UCI regulated uh, series and UCI regulated uh, races it's kind of contradictory so it's pretty funny but I'm happy that actually there is somebody like you that is <laughs> fighting this let's say, this battle, fighting this battle, let's say, um, discussing this rule, at least. That's super yeah. interesting. Yeah. No, I just really wish for a more fair race because at the moment it's often luck that decides whether uh, someone can catch a wheel. Um, and yeah, it's just not how the racing should be. And I really um, find it so much more interesting, you know, if there's proper tactics involved in the women's race. I mean, we can draft amongst each other, so that's the difference to the ultra racing. Um, but yeah, that gives very interesting situations. And since uh, the Cape Epic, for example, put it in the rules already early on since 2016, since we have separate start um, drafting uh, of the women to the men is uh, not allowed anymore. And since then, the racing has become extremely interesting. You know, we have much more sprint finishes. And yeah, you don't just see um, women's teams hanging on to the men's trains anymore and be pulled by them. Oh yeah, okay. That's uh, that's super great. But wait a second. That's really sorry. My bad. My ignorance. I don't know about that. Probably I needed to study a bit more. Cape Epic is also part of the UCI. Uh, let's say of the UCI challenges or the UCI races, right? Yes, yes. So I mean, some races have it specifically in their rules. Mm -hmm. They put it in their event rules. But it's not an official UCI rule, so that it would count for every UCI race. Okay. But some races may put up this rule, and that's just then for this event. Um, but yeah, some some just don't do it, and in many races, there's then a confusion. And what I often do is actually I speak to the women ahead of the race at the start line and ask, uh, "Listen, how are we going to race? Is it okay if we just don't follow any man's will?" Um, and mostly it's actually it works out quite well but I would obviously wish as a competitor it's not uh, the best situation to ask you <laughs> of course you other riders um, yeah which yeah, yeah. rule you want to follow <laughs> yeah it's having something like a gentle agreement in rules that are not there it's also you don't know actually how many people first of all you don't know how many people are going to commit for sure everybody wants to uh, race clean and everything like that but that's something that could happen and also on the other side you don't want to take the responsibility or spirit of speaking up when the rule is not there as well right you yeah. don't want to put other people in because anyways all the competitors and everything they have their own sponsors and stuff so Exactly, it's also yeah. a matter of uh, your results so yeah it's an uncomfortable situation i think yeah yeah for sure yeah that's perfect no but yeah thanks a lot actually for giving us this kind of uh, uh aspect that i really was not aware of but it's pretty it's pretty pretty interesting on knowing that actually there is the need of this kind of evolution 
in uh, yes, in mountain yes. bike marathons in cross country marathons that's uh, that's super nice actually yeah but we were talking bef- before about the core of this conversation so uh what happened i was scrolling on my probably I was not still almost sleeping not sleeping yet uh, on my instagram and actually i read from uh, the instagram account of arian i read actually that you are going to be part of the pump for peace velo solution racing team that is going to be something like a pretty uh, new in the spectrum uh, <laughs> mountain bike team what does it consist? So what is going to be this team? Also because we need to take in consideration that probably um, mountain bike marathon teams and normal uh, road cycling or in general whatever teams are a bit different. But what does it mean actually? What? Let's start from there. What is going to be the uh, Pump for Peace Velo Solution racing team? Yeah, we're actually going to be a UCI mountain bike team across country. Okay. Uh, UCI mountain bike team. Um, that means we need to be at least three riders. Okay. Um, that's the condition of the UCI. One pays a registration fee. Um, there's a elite UCI mountain bike teams that uh, there's more requirements, more UCI uh, points required for that. We need also just to have a minimum of UCI cross-country points to be able to enter for a team like this. Um, the great benefit of such a team is that teams like that can um, enter riders directly to the World Cups. So they don't need to go via the federations. Mm, okay. Um, and that was a big reason why we wanted to do this, but I'll get to that later. Um, we are three riders, meaning I will be one of them just to keep it very low profile and... Yeah, just to go one baby step ahead and not to make it too big, too complicated. Um, most important was to, to do this team for Faranak Partwasar from Iran um, and Tumelo Makae from Lesotho is also part of it. So that's the three riders. Oh, that's uh, great. Maybe we can start something that I wanted to ask you. We can start from the name because the name is really related to a huge cause, right? What is the Pump for Peace? Pump for Peace is a uh, social project of the business Pump, pump Track and Trail Building Business Velo Solutions. Um, both are founded by uh, Claudio Calvori, mm-hmm. a Swiss mountain bike legend. He's very known um, through his commentary at, on Red Bull TV of the downhill world cups and it's always the guy that did the pre-runs and is now co-commentating with rob warner um so he's from switzerland he used to be a downhill pro and yeah is now just doing all kinds of projects he started his business velo solutions doing these amazing um tar pump tracks all over the world really uh amazing uh tracks that kids can play on i mean in switzerland we've got loads of them (laughs) and they really are all over the world and i think in 17 he did his first pound for peace project where he um collected money to build a pump track for an underprivileged community um for free um so they i think the first project was actually in lesotho if i remember correctly um so they yeah they just wanted to make these kids happy and actually bring action sports to the kids uh, where where they don't really normally have access to and just to 
make them a little piece of joy. <laughs> no, yeah, it's super great. I think that actually his name came out already in one of these podcasts because I was talking with Darko, uh, that is actually the owner, the founder of Allegra Turismus. And he was also uh, talking about yeah the pump track of Velo Solution. And we were having okay. this conversation. And uh, no, the idea is really, really great for two reasons already building up pump track and let kids enjoy it and learn the skills. So they will not become a cyclist like I am. I mean, uh, a cyclist <laughs> that cannot turn right properly or left as well. Uh, yes. And that's already super good. But also the uh, uh, the pump for peace. So actually really developing the same structure also for in countries where it's not so common to have action yeah. sports. It's another thing that is just super great. It's mind-blowing. It's super great and really introduce kids from all over the world to yeah. being outdoor and enjoying the outdoor. It's already a little brick in uh, letting them live a better life. Let's put it in this exactly. way. Exactly. No, that's yeah. uh, that's super great. Yeah, they have built pump tracks. Um, so Lesotho, I think, was the first one, if I'm not wrong. And then in some townships of South Africa, they've built. And recently, they just built one uh, in Turkey on the border to Syria. Also really nice. Um, yeah, their goal is basically to make cycling... Uh, accessible to everyone everywhere in this world and really to bring it especially to those communities that that wouldn't normally get on it I mean just to be honest there uh, cycling is a wide privileged sport um, and yeah their aim is to change that a little bit and uh, also just to say I mean starting on a pump track is the absolute basic for getting into mountain biking as you just said I mean it's the basic skills training ground for any mountain bike i mean i wish i grew up on a on a pump track as well and uh, it, it really forms the most basic and most important skills that one needs on a mountain bike yeah yeah, yeah. anyways we would say that you are in any ways kind of decent technically on the mountain bike so it's good <laughs> to grow on a pump track but actually yes you can ride your way through into mountain bikes anyways but for sure doing it in the pump yes. track is, is even funnier i think right <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just really good, um, especially. I mean, one if one would look at an ideal um, build up of a young rider, mm -hmm. um, they would they should actually start on pump jacks and with BMX racing, and then get into the cross country riding after that. Um, that would be the ideal scenario. So it's really fantastic, and I mean, if one sees the kits, uh, I mean, um, I know the kits uh, from. Stellenbosch quite well in the Kayamandi township there and they've got a little pump track and I mean they're just playing um, day in day out you know they're on this thing together I mean there's really so many kids just doing those laps and they've got so much fun on it so it's really nice to see. The project sounds great amazing and then super happy that you actually um agreed and actually told me with a lot of enthusiasm as usual all the time that i sent you any <laughs> message saying okay stefano yes let's talk about that but from where everything started because i think that this was kind of a <laughs> process right exactly yeah it's it's actually really funny so i i raced swiss epic uh, last year with my south african partner and I met Faranak there. So she was actually riding in the mixed category with Claudio mm -hmm. um, for Velo Solutions. And yeah, at the finish line, she came to me on the last day and we started talking a bit and she asked me some questions and I was just immediately so inspired by her. I mean, her coming from Iran, 
I was just imagining, you know, even me coming from Switzerland, from flipping the most privileged country in this world, probably, you know, there's still some barriers that you overtump as a woman to do this, what we do. On, I mean, I also gone through a little bit of a emancipi- emancipation in the sport and kind of realized like, wow, we actually do deserve equal prize money and all of that. Um, but then if you think, you know, how difficult it is for her to do what she does, it's, it's mind blowing and it's extremely inspiring just to look at her, how she does her thing. And she's such a smart and amazing person. Um, yeah, it, it really touched me there when I was talking to her. I was then fortunate to meet her again in Dubai at the race that I did. Uh, so we talked a bit longer there. And I just asked her, like, look, what's your biggest issues? I just, I was just really interested, like, what's your biggest hurdles that you need to overcome all the time? And one of them was really um, dealing with her quite unprofessional federation. It was always difficult for her to register for races, uh, for the World Cups especially. Um, It was just always yeah, many emails back and forth and begging them to enter her because they actually don't really weren't really interested to have her racing in Europe. But she was really someone I want to improve. I want to get better. And I know if I want to get better, I need to know where the level really is at in the world. I need to go to the World Cups. And for me, just her saying that and realizing like, wow, she really knows what she needs to do. eh? And she really goes for it. I mean, no matter all the resistance she's getting from home, um, she went for it. I mean, she flipping travels on her own all the way, like (laughs) basically walks to things, you know, and on a such a small budget. um, It's incredible, really. And I was just like, okay, well, if I can only help you to get this, little barrier away with my contacts that I have okay I need to I need to help you so I was emailing all possible um, UCI teams that I knew that already existed if they could take her under her wing Um, I mean just give her a a, you know a pro forma contract um, but just to enter her for the racing unfortunately none of them were responding positive Mm -hmm. Um, but eventually I somehow ended up talking to Claudio <laughs> and he was immediately, oh, let's do it. Let's start a team. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll help you. And I mean, I was not in the situation. I mean, I was really struggling myself to actually get myself racing for this year. So I was not in a position to say, look, I can throw in this registration fee and let's do it just the two of us uh, and whatever. I mean, we needed a third rider anyway, um, which just, you know, takes so much, gives, or puts so much more responsibility on me um, in total. So I was so happy to to hear Claudio uh, is on board. And yeah, that was like 20 December last year. <laughs> oh, so like kind of a last minute call. <laughs> that was very last minute. So <laughs> we were really starting to look for sponsors on the 20th of December, oh, wow. 2021. <laughs> everybody's closing the book, closing the budget, yeah, ready like to go and have a drink. Everyone is already <laughs> driving on Christmas holiday. I mean, we actually, yeah, we just caught... Um, Shram, <laughs> the responsible of Shram marketing, 
on the on in the car driving on <laughs> to her Christmas holiday basically. Um well she was still willing to talk, which was quite nice. It's nice, yeah. <laughs> and I mean the the registration date of the UCI is 15 January and you need to get things ready by then. You need to have a jersey design and things approved. So it was a little bit of pressure yeah. <laughs> those days. Um but yeah, we managed to get it off the ground. I mean, we we don't have. I mean, on 15 January even, we we haven't had any sponsor confirmed, <laughs> except the the kid sponsor, which is Cheeskin, my my um, kid sponsor. So yeah, we were really happy with that, um, and we just said, listen, at the moment we can only offer you that we can register you for the World Cups, okay, <laughs> and nothing quite more. But it's it's growing, it's coming along. Oh yeah, this sounds really amazing. So actually, so I need to take back my phone because you all know people that with names I'm really bad. So basically, this was the um, let's say this was actually your uh, meeting with Fananak and then your talk with Claudio, and then yeah. the th fourth, I would say player of the team or the third yeah. in terms of riding arrive, and we are talking about Tumelo. Yes. How did you get him in? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tumelo was in uh, contact with Claudio already. He okay. actually raced for Pump for Peace, the Swiss Epic, in, was it now 2020? Yes, I think so. Um, so he basically was training in that training center where the Pump for Peace pump track was built. Mm -hmm. So Claudio got to know him through that. Um, and then he invited him to race the Swiss Epic the one year. So he was already connected to Claudio and the Pump for Peace and Velo Solutions. Mm -hmm. And I mean, he brought also just enough UCI points in so that it all actually worked out perfectly. No, that's great. So basically the combination of you uh, made the amount of UCI, uh, of UCI points arrive to the point that actually then you can really apply and take part to any race, World Cup and everything. And that's great. Well, I actually don't bring, uh, I bring zero points into the team. Oh, okay. I'm only, I only have marathon points and no cross-country points since this all changed with the stage racing. Mm -hmm. um, but we just didn't want to overboard it. We, we will obviously as soon as possible and we have the ability to include more riders onto the team. We will do that and I won't be a rider anymore or whatever. Um, but we just wanted to keep it as small as possible because we didn't have any support. Um, okay. And it was really to get, uh, just to take that hurdle down of Faranak for the registration and help her a little bit with the World Cups. Um, and I'm basically helping to manage. Uh, I've reached out to all my sponsors and I'm... Um, trying to coordinate everything and talking to race organizers uh, and so on. Um, so um, I'm doing the background work, uh, which I'm used to from uh, doing for me, for myself, for my own little one woman team that it used to be. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And I just hope I can yeah, bring some of my experience to Faranak and to Mela that hopefully helps them. No, that's super great. Uh, let's talk about that for a quick second. So you said that basically for the 15th of January, you just had one sponsor. 
did the situation evolve? And another thing that I want to know, because it seems like between the 20th of December until the 15th of January and until now, you had a lot of conversation and pitches to sponsor. How did they react? So <laughs> what was usually the answer when you were pitching this huge project, this great project? I would say really very, very positive. I mean, all of who we approached would have actually liked to help. Um, mm -hmm. The biggest issue at the moment, and that's really a current issue of, of the industry, is that equipment is extremely rare. So <laughs> finding <true>. bikes, <laughs> yeah. finding bikes was uh, the most difficult part from, from it all. And um, I guess uh, the listeners who maybe have ordered a bike recently know it as well. The waiting lists are crazy. And the same was for us. I mean, we, we basically just got no's because they had no stock. Uh, and the same for everything else. I mean, everyone told us, actually, it's easier to give you money than, wow. than equipment. Okay. <laughs> but we, we, found some, uh, we found some help, so we're really pleased that we slowly but surely have some stuff together. <laughs> no, yeah, no, that, that's super great. And actually, having already people that are jumping on the project with joy, with a smile, and really happy and happily support even then, yeah. if they could, they cannot, even if they cannot do it with uh, uh, parts or bicycle stuff, but doing it with any support that they can do, that's really great because it means really that yeah. we are really in the situation where we can support. It's good, actually. It's something nice that we can support actually riders to get into races that otherwise they could not do it. And uh, yeah. it's super great. I mean, one needs to say, I mean, Farnak and Tumelo, they, I mean, Farnak is seven-time national champion. Yeah. Tumelo is five-time national champion. Um, they both have medals uh, in, in continental championships. Um, from, and from considering from where they are coming from, they are absolute top. And, um, I mean, they have such inspiring stories to tell i can't tell everything about uh tumelo because it's a very private story that he has but it's a lot of heartache that he's carrying with him um it's it's a really extremely nice person as well as faranak also i mean those two people are so amazing you know and i would do anything just to see them yeah go far with their journey and I feel they can inspire not only their nation, they can inspire a whole world with what they do and with how, what a path they walked, you know. Um, so I really appreciate that it's seen, you know, that these stories do have great value. And, you know, I was first thinking, you know, I can just get uh, far enough some random contract. No one will actually even care really for her or give her any product or you know give any support to her just so she can register for the world cup but i, I immediately knew that's un underselling her dramatically mm -hmm. and i knew that this story of hers has a much greater value which brands could actually see and really um, um use for their marketing as well you know um and i'm so glad we actually found a way to to leverage that um, because it would be sad if these stories wouldn't be told. Um, they are so incredibly inspiring um, that they need to get out there. No, that's super great. And actually, this was probably the main, let's say, the main way that you could do in order to 
make this story come out, right? And make actually uh, the full representation popping up because that's the point, right? They yeah. could have gone in any other team and maybe, of course, maybe the team is so inspired and so um, good on doing this thing that they should actually really drop a lie on uh, yeah. on their story and this would be great, but could be also that, okay, just that's the contract, just go ride whatever and then any of them could be only another rider and that's it. Yeah. That is also good. Yeah, it's better exactly. than nothing, but yeah. it's not a different way, something like amplifying the message. In this way, yeah. by being you three and being actually um, a full team, even if a small team, would really probably amplify a bit more because you can work hard exactly on telling this story. And that's great. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And yeah, it really, I mean, Claudio has been working on this for years already, you know, to to make the sport more inclusive, um, to increase the diversity. Um, so it, it's such a great fit. And I mean, even though we did this like last minute last year and we, we are just one baby step after the other at the moment, um, we both have a great passion for what we do and we do want to push this forward. It's just our next step. Um, I mean, I've also tried to <laughs> help other riders from South Africa uh, in the past um, and I, it's really something I see myself in the future doing. Um, so this team is really like a little bit of a dream come true for me uh, to work in this space. Um, and with Claudia as well. I mean, we we do imagine, you know, we see Tumelo and Faranak as future leaders in the countries and actually developing their sport in the country as well. Tumelo is a level three UCI coach mm -hmm. already. He's uh, also uh, gone through the mechanical um, education to be a mechanic. Um, so he brings everything with to actually develop the future talent in Lesotho. He's actually starting coaching uh, Lesotho riders already this mm -hmm. year. And I mean, the same with Farnak. Farnak is a instructional engineer, very, very small person. Wow. Um, and she, I mean, when she was saying, look, I could just take the easy road and start for another country, you know, and maybe I would solve all my problems, but yeah. that's not the way I want to go. I want to show the women in my country that it is possible what I do, that we pave the path for them, for the future, that it will be easier for them because she already tried to take some barriers down, you know. And that for me just showed like, wow, okay, that's the right person to, to work with. You know, she doesn't just take the easy road. Yeah, no, that's super great also because, yeah, maybe something, a couple of words that we can stress on that. Being a rider, anyways, being a cyclist in Iran is already not the easiest thing in the world, but being a woman yeah. cyclist, pro cyclist in Iran is even uh, a bigger challenge, right? Yeah. So they yeah. are really the power of representation and really of yeah. showing your story to your country and to your people so that your people can listen to her say, talking the same language. You are sharing the same nationality, but not only a culture and whatever, yeah. and show how much is possible. It's super powerful. It's way yeah. powerful. And probably this yeah. can really evolve and grow a cycling culture that is also uh, an inclusive culture and everything related to that. So it's really yeah. something about cultural, not only about the sport. And that's... It yeah. is. Yeah, it is very much. And that's where we're so privileged in Europe. You know, this... Every... I mean, if I'm riding my bike in Belgium there, mm. it's probably the most uh, obvious. 
the car is actually anticipating me wanting to cross the road and and already you know leaves the gap for me i mean in south africa i experienced we don't exist like we it's not usual that there is cyclists around and and it just starts with that you know and and i think it's even then more than just the sport that we bring to a country it's also a mode of transport which is far more um ecological than others um and yeah it's it's a uh, in this, uh, in in that way, an important culture to develop as yeah. well. Yeah. No, just to spend another couple of words on that. So this year, also because we didn't name COVID at all this time, but anyways, you all <laughs> know people there that all the time that I'm naming COVID in this podcast because we don't like so much to talk about that, but it's good to put everything in a context. And uh, all the time that we mention everything like that, I drop a coin in my COVID jar. I still didn't. I said COVID already <laughs> twice. Uh, and then the coins that are into my jar are going to a different association. Last year, oh. it was um, the uh, ah, the Sea Watch. So basically, the German association with saving people in Central Mediterranean. This year is on the other side, something a bit smaller. It's called Bai Kigi, and they are in Berlin. And they are basically teaching uh, refugee women how to ride a bike. Because it's a great tool Amazing. of inclusion, because, for example, in Afghanistan, it's prohibited, basically, for women to ride bikes, and in many countries, more or less the same. So, basically, they are developing this thing, because in this way, women can emancipate themselves only by knowing how to ride a bike. Um, this is exactly the translation of the story that we are saying. Uh, maybe it's not completely forbidden in Iran to ride a bike, but for sure is not enhanced and is not pushed yeah. to do it for women. Yeah. So, having story like this it's uh yeah it's a great for sure example and uh, it's great that there is somebody like you and claudio but in general the four of you pushing in this direction it's really really interesting because it's not only about not having the possibility because of money and the wealth of not riding yeah. the bike but it's a cultural thing and it's it very is. powerful it is yeah no yeah it's great uh that's super super great something that i want actually to ask you as well so uh you are actually developing this project, and that's super great. Another thing that we saw, and we're talking about Cape Epic, for example, it was as well the EF team and Lachlan Morton in general uh, taking part for to, to the Cape Epic this year uh, with Kenneth Karaya and also mm -hmm. Kenyan rider uh, that he wouldn't have the possibility for several reasons of riding in the Cape Epic, even if, yeah, we know many uh, Kenyan riders that took part to the Cape Epic, but in this kind of singular case, would not take part to it without the support. Uh, these things are kind of developing in order really to uh, show people the representation so that also kids would know, okay, cool, also Kenyans, only, uh, also people from Lesotho or Iranian or everybody could join and really take the leap and going into the direction of riding uh, the bike in this way. With all this, so this kind of still small but few initiatives going in this direction, would you see that actually, do you think that this situation is going to improve and do you see already an improvement on this side? I think at the moment it's a bit of a trend from brands to um, to show how progressive they are. Uh, I mean, things are definitely shifting in that way, and um, it seems to be that it 
it is almost sometimes easier now to be a woman or someone uh, black or whatever um, a minor from a minority in general um, because one brings a story um, because it's a lot about the storytelling mm-hmm. in marketing. Um, so it gets used a lot like that in marketing and that's that's a big trend I see. Um, so I do hope that it's not just some marketing stint, you know, that will fade after a while, but that actually in that time structures, like proper structures can be can be built on this to really make sure that um, talent can be um, developed from those countries that there's, you know, the future is guaranteed as well because there needs to be so many things still done. You know, I'm basically talking, I've been talking to the UCI uh, about just how the federation in Iran works. They, they are, they don't have the same standards as the federations in Europe. They, they don't understand, um, Okay, it's hard for me to to speak for them, but from my perspective, they um, I mean they don't have a set calendar. You know, they decide about races a week beforehand, oh, wow. and that is obviously very difficult then for an athlete to plan a year um, and things like that. They they all need to evolve. That's just a very basic thing that hasn't happened yet, and I mean it doesn't just suffice to to support the rider to get him or her a bike and give give her the opportunity to to do a race it's all good and well and nice and we need those role models um showing in the countries that it's possible but there needs to be structures coming that follow up with all the steps that needs behind that it needs behind you know like be it that the federation actually becomes more professional that they see the value of an Iranian Iranian rider going to the World Cups and supporting them or at least not putting all kinds of barriers in their way to go there. Um, And on the other side, I mean, in Lesotho, there there it's really uh, the the wealth is missing uh, to to have bikes. I mean, they need need a bike supply. They need equipment uh, to do what they need to do. And it's it is difficult in our sport. I mean, if you have a fifteen kilo bike and the brakes don't work well, you maybe still have rim brakes even, and you, you can't go to a World Cup with this bike. You mm-hmm. know, like you you're actually putting yourself in a danger <laughs> if if the suspension doesn't work, etc. So there is the the equipment is really an important uh, thing, um, and there needs to be some strategies developed how to solve this problem to make it more accessible. Um, And, I mean, there will be always some charities doing a good job, but in general, there needs to be also a bigger system in place. And I've been uh, involved with the Spurs Mountain Bike Schools League in South Africa, for example, where I've really seen this problem firsthand, where I see basically the rich kid with the... Top of the range mountain bike uh, versus the the black kit from the township with his twelve kilo crappy bike, you know, and that, that's just not a fair situation. And we've been discussing, for example, that um, on a certain from a certain level or with uh, until a certain age, the kids just need to have the same bikes, for example, you know, and that there is some sort of equality because it's so 
discouraging if, if, if you just have absolutely no chance and you see everyone riding away from you, but it's actually mostly a matter of, of a bike, you know? Um, and that's just one of the little things that put these people behind the actual start line. I mean, I try to explain, look, if one puts Tumelo on a start line at the World Cup, he is in fact starting way behind because of all the underprivileged situation he's coming from. <laughs> you know, like he doesn't, he didn't have the support like a Swiss rider had from his parents, um, the money, um, you know, just the knowledge in general about be it diet or training or whatever. And just, I mean, one simple thing, just the, the confidence, of course. <laughs> the basic confidence, you know, that you have. I mean, if you come to a World Cup as, as a rider from Lesotho, you, you feel completely overwhelmed because you're entering this world, this white world of everything is like professional and you come there from, you know, from Africa. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's really something that needs to drastically still develop and there we we absolutely know where yet so this is probably then something that you're working on the thing that you were saying working on uh, on the back end on making things happen also this conversation that you are describing to us so this conversation that you have with uci and everything that's also part of yeah. the task yeah. of this team yeah i mean the big goal look i mean we we are a bit dreamers maybe but the big goal would be to really have almost like satellites developing centers eventually you know we start maybe in Lesotho and Iran but yeah there's many many more places in the world that um, could do with such developing centers um, and we see I mean we see where we can get I mean we we take all the help we can get along the way um, and of course I mean we already have in Tumelo someone who's a qualified coach yeah. and you know we want to obviously um, basically then use these people that we help to to uh, develop that they will de develop the future as well and so it's actually snowballs at the end no that's super great another conversation that i was having not so much time ago is that i think doing these kind of projects i mean putting together a team and giving them the and giving to people underprivileged to um, to go to World Cup in general to different races, maybe in Europe or maybe in the US or whatever in, Amer in, in America or yeah, South Africa as well, talking about Cape Epic. That's really nice. Maybe then another cool thing that could happen is not only bring people to World Cup UCI race, but bringing the UCI races in different countries. What's your take about that? Yes, I mean... Um, well, we see a uh, World Cup in Brazil next year. We have seen World Cup in Stellenbosch, South Africa before. Mm -hmm. um, but of course, it's, it's very Europe-focused. And even, I mean, the Americans, Canadians, especially during the uh, pandemic, it was actually a very big issue because, and, and that was a thing I was involved with, with the TCA as well, because um, while the Europeans could collect a lot of points for the ranking, the, the Americans were in lockdown and couldn't go anywhere. Oh, wow. And, and then there was a huge uh, inequality between the riders uh, in, in how to get points, you know. 
they were not allowed to travel at all. So, and while the Swiss, they could race, they could do races and get a lot of points, the, the Canadians couldn't do anything. Um, so that's where we actually asked the, I mean, the UCI did it themselves, but we just asked them to keep the ranking closed for a bit longer, as long as uh, the traveling restrictions were in place. Um, and I mean, that's, that's definitely a big issue um, that needs to be resolved eventually as well. It's not an easy task because we actually, one also needs to consider the whole environmental impact that, that a sport has and yeah. traveling all over the world has an impact on that as well. So, I mean, it's already fantastic that the UCI always looks at having two World Cups two World Cup weekends after each other in a uh, proximate place. Um, but yeah, I think that can definitely evolve as well. And I know from my friends from the US, Canada, Australia, um, it's a huge topic for them. You know, um, just, I mean, it's such a point hunting sport cross country because it makes such a difference whether you have um just uh 50 points or whether you have 400 for 600 points mm -hmm. uh where you where you stand on the start line and eventually where you end up racing um that this has definitely a, a big impact on what your chances are in the in the sport and in the racing no yeah okay i completely i completely feel the point so maybe yes diversifying uh, could make sense but probably could be a different circuit and different things in order to spread a bit around and spread also the point assignation right so something like yeah. giving points yeah. to different races yeah it makes it makes it's a lot very of sense complex. yeah and then there's not only the world cups i mean there's the c1 and exactly. c2 races that give points as well and yeah they need to um <laughs> they need to work on the system constantly you know it's not that you just throw it all upside down um i think it's just evolving the system as we go and the more countries get integrated and the more riders are on board but it's really something that is very important to consider for the uci you know to govern that that well no yeah it makes a lot of sense and uh as you were, we were saying at the beginning, it's not only about what we can do, but it's also kind of a political thing and also organizational thing that should yeah. be put in place. But that's why actually projects like uh, the one that you're carrying on is actually also helping to show a bit more representation and showing as well to UCI that there are a lot of new riders that can join the nice yeah. um, race uh, development and race system that could actually yeah. also explode a bit more representation and happiness and smiles on riding the bike yeah. no yeah. that's really great what's also really important for us and that's also something to consider if one thinks of development in in such countries is i saw that a lot in south africa where charities basically put up teams for the cape epic um but these riders weren't really ready to do such a race and the same goes for world cups i mean it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of, um, it's difficult tracks, first of all. You know, sometimes there's a lack of skill for the World Cup races. Or in, in um, speaking of the Cape Epic, maybe a lack of uh, training and really preparedness for such a tough race. And there one needs to be very careful. It is nice to give them 
this kind of opportunities. But I mean, that's something we currently, for example, discuss, you know, how many World Cups should Tumelo do? How many are really good for him as an athlete and a rider? Um, it's, it's a very fine balance between challenging and over-challenging them. You know, um, we don't just want them <clears throat> to basically not finish any of these races, of to always be lacked and have bad experiences and just get a hit on the head basically every time. I mean, I experienced that myself. It was, <laughs> it was hectic for me to do World Cup racing. You know, um, I was so scared standing in front of these opt- obstacles sometimes, you know, in front of the jumps. Um, and I was just scrambling. I was actually crying because I was like, oh no, I can't do this. And it's even tougher if you come from far away, you're not comfortable with the place, you don't have your surrounding, um, you, you're somewhere far away from your family, from your loved ones, uh, you're young and ex- inexperienced and maybe don't dare to, to voice your stress and your all the pressure that goes, with, uh, goes through it. And it can sometimes break a rider as well. And one needs to be very, very careful with those things. And that's sometimes not considered well enough with all these programs that are currently happening. No, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. That's why basically my thought was there that probably we can really develop a new generation of riders all over the countries by giving them the possibility to compete with high-level athletes but in their playground. Instead yeah. of letting them go super young because they're super talented, but let them go super young through Europe for a full year, six months or training in general for the full year, away from their family and friends, away from the place where they belong, basically. Yes. And yes. Uh, just because they want to take part to a game that is not eradicated or is not represented in their country. I mean, sports yeah. should be yeah. universal. So, yeah, yeah. Perfect. So you were actually something like already touch basing on it, but that's another question that I want to ask you. What's the plan then? How you're gonna? Uh, what's the plan till now? How the plan is drafted? Or view all <laughs> part of the team? What are you gonna take part to? Well, we. Um, I mean, the goal is to to go to some World Cups uh, with Tumelo and Faranak. At the moment, Alpstadt is probably gonna be the first race where we're gonna all see each other. Oh, wow. um, however. Uh, both of them are going to do some racing um, locally or more locally. Um, Faranak is going to Turkey to collect some UCI points to compete there. They've got some early races in the year. And Tumelo has some races in South Africa that's, that he's going to do, go to, going to do uh, as well as the Africa Road Championship probably and the African Continental Champs Cross Country. That's basically until April for him. And with Faranak, I'm actually planning to do a little stage race in Croatia. Wow. Well, it's not actually a little stage race. It's, a, it's now part of the UCI marathon series, the four island stage race in Croatia. We're still um, basically looking at how we're going to do this all. So it's not 100% confirmed, but that was, um, yeah, always uh, something I wanted to do. Uh, I would have. I would really like to race with her and yeah, just to learn from her and experience a race together. Wow, this sounds really amazing. Also because in my mind there is actually this idea of stage race, mountain bike stage racing, like 
I don't know, something like pr- super tough. I mean, some of the toughest <laughs> things that you can do because you have the pressure of technical terrains plus uh, all the physical efforts and everything. And yeah, doing something like this together, having in mind not only the physical and competitive parts, but also the mission that you have. I don't know, sounds perfect. Sounds really a great challenge to be part of, right? Yeah, I think um, in a state race, you're really forced to learn quite quickly. I mean, what it definitely teaches you is about recovery you need to focus on recovery and and it and that's a very good lesson to learn that you have to go for a very hard effort but then you also need to rest really hard and that's often one of the biggest issues for athletes to actually rest and just relax and do nothing um after after training actually um so to just learn that recovery process and what your body really needs after a hard effort and looking after that body really well um, is definitely something I hope we we can focus on in that week. Um, and yeah, just the partnership, like teamwork. I mean, it's something that's very specific to racing in a pair. Um and that also always brings out interesting things about oneself. I always learn so much about myself teaming up with someone new. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always a completely new situation. Um, and yeah, I can't wait for the opportunity to race with her and also just to learn more about her culture. You know, I'm so interested to know how it is for her, where she's coming from, learn about her language, learn about her traditions and yeah, I really can't wait to experience it all. That's super great. That's super great. So this is about the year. So how would sound the beginning of the year, the beginning of the season, it's going to look like. But what about, what do you have in mind? You talked already about that here and there. What do you have in mind for the development of the team? This is going to be, in your opinion, a test season and then something else is going to build up or you have in mind already a three, four, five years development of it? <laughs> We were we were so um, busy with just getting this team off the ground at the moment, so we don't have like the ten year business plan ahead of okay. us <laughs> or in front of us right now. Um, yeah, we we obviously um, want is not just a one year shot, and we want to develop this further. I mean, we have actually already in our little pump for peace family, we have the Isim Isimbali. Um, team from close to Durban in South Africa, which is a only girls team that's trading on the uh, pump track, Velo Solutions pump track in their township in uh, close to Durban in South Africa. Um, I mean, to develop those riders, you know, to do more there. Uh, there is another rider from Lesotho who's went to the, who qualified for the world champ, pump track world championship. Um, Kotalang from Lesotho um, that's also a rider that's kind of linked to our little family uh, who we want to develop further they are not quite in the place yet to do World Cup racing or anything like that but that's um, just uh, one little part and so we can imagine that we will have somehow this racing team that we now built but that we also extend the farm teams in a way if you want to call it like that Mm -hmm. um and which will be local um where we hopefully get some yeah 
hands on as well that develop these riders that um, guide them. You know, uh, I yeah, I see myself. I, I just want to give my knowledge that I gathered over the years um, to to all these people. You know, it's often about knowledge and about knowing how to go about things. I. Uh, I mean, it's amazing, for example, how Faranak managed to finance herself to go to Europe and do the World Cup. And I mean, apart from just the whole training aspect, how to be how to be an athlete, it's also about how to finance a project like this. And that's also knowledge that needs to be given further. I see many, many Europeans that don't know how to go about this. They're just privileged to have some federation helping them that they have very um yeah that they are uh in a in a healthy home with parents that can finance it all um but if that's not the place not the case you know you need to be quite creative Absolutely. <laughs> i for example uh yeah i have slept in a church before a race because we couldn't afford other accommodation and that's also a way to go about it <laughs> that's for sure so... it's experience that you're building up in your athlete career right it's yes, not all the time yes. living the dream getting a lot of money from sponsors federations and no that's you're easy. following the dream right and following the dream yeah. means taking some compromises and yeah. learn how to do things in a different way yeah i mean that's also something that i want to teach those writers is like there's so many different ways to finance this how to get someone to finance you i mean i want to tell them like look your story is really worth something like you can sell this and you can make something out of it if you want you know it's still your yeah they need to want this that their story maybe gets told, you know, I don't know, like there's some, yeah, I, I don't want to tell it for Tumelo yet because it's a very personal story that he's got to tell um, and he needs to decide whether he wants to make it bigger or not or if he wants to become a coach and earn his money like that. And there is so many different ways how you can finance your life and, um, yeah, that's also just one side where I want would like to support them to show them like listen um you don't need a massive budget to go and race in europe you can get around and i want to show them how you can get around things you need to you can need to connect yourself that's the most important and mostly that's a little bit what is lacking they don't have the network and that's where we can be uh, a big part in their lives to actually connect them in this world of cycling that's super great. It's it's not that often actually that they listen from a pro telling this kind of story of uh, riding or elbowing your way through the full races and all the races that you can do. It's not the easiest part, and that's something that no. for sure you experience. You learn by yourself, and it's cool as well to to share it with other people. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what I want to ask you, I think last question that I want to ask you, where we can listen, listen, because for sure in this podcast you are listening <laughs> to that, but listen, read, know more about the future, all the development and the next races of your team. Well, uh, the easiest way is probably Instagram, Pump for Peace. Uh, that's the the, ha uh, the handle of our uh, team. Um yeah, if you're interested in the project, also go to the website, pumpforpeace.com. Um, yeah, it's worth donating as well. Uh, for the next, hopefully, we uh, see a pump track in Iran soon. That's one of the project pending, projects pending for Pump for Peace. Or if you want 
wanted to go directly to the team to bring Faranak or Tumela to one of the World Cups. Um, of course, you can mention that in the comments if you do a donation. Um, everything is obviously greatly appreciated. It won't go to me. <laughs> it won't go to Claudio. It will really go to the riders. Um, that's great. That's for sure. Uh, Claudio has uh, been extremely... Um, generous uh he's really reached out to all his contacts and um basically put him as an ambassador into the mix to to get more money uh to the team um and and yeah he's putting all that into the team as well um i'm helping where i can as well i i don't have quite the biggest fishes but uh yeah together we we hopefully get a really good thing started here that's perfect. Thanks a lot for this chat today, Ariane. It's just great and it's super, super cool to listen to this, to your story, to actually to the story <laughs> of this team that came out and actually developed in such a cool way. And now, yeah, we just need to, to see the development and see how things are going to get even cooler. So thanks a lot for telling me in person right now but everybody who is listening to us this story and yeah yeah thanks to you thanks yeah. to you uh thanks for the opportunity um i hope we will hear tumelo or faranak sometime here <laughs> i think they have even more interesting stories <laughs> yeah that's something that we are going to talk probably later off records but yeah i would love to have them here as well so we can actually round up the full story and then we can uh, also listen what they are at and uh, what's their experience with cycling it's it's super interesting yeah, yeah thanks so much <laughs> thank you and best of luck and i will talk to you soon perfect thank you cheers bye bye Thanks, Ariane, for the great explanation, for the great story, and thanks a lot for doing what you are doing that makes you a great legend. Not only shredding around the world and winning trophies all around, but also for the great work that you are doing for the Cycling Alliance and also with the great idea to put together the Pump for Peace racing team. Thanks a lot. Anybody out there, if you want, just follow everything that you can find down in the description below and please give high fives or just nice words to Ariane and her team that made something super cool like this happen. Another couple of things that you have to do, you know already, I'm repeating it all the time, but yeah, you can just rate or subscribe or do whatever you want to do in your Spotify or Apple Podcast app or so Spreaker, whatever you're using for listening to this podcast, because this will help me on climb a bit the charts of the podcast applications. And another thing that you can do is also get me a coffee with a coffee link below. Only in this way, this podcast can stay independent. And as well, another thing that you can do, go to commute.com slash G and unlock an extra region just by using the code BROOM. That's something that you can do and actually I have to say thanks to Komoot because thanks to them I can really bring directly to your ears those amazing stories. Well, I will let you be for today. I think I occupied enough of your space. I will talk to you in a bit. In the meantime, enjoy and take it easy. Thank you.